Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Woo! Welcome to Grace Capital Church. Uh, very glad that you guys are all here with us this morning. We are, we're starting a, a new series this morning, Town Talks, Community or conversations about our community. Community conversations is easier to say. Community conversations. And uh, I want to start out first off by prefacing this. We love to be able to send people out into the world to do missions, to, to, to go to Toronto, to go to Alaska. Um, later on this year, in December, there's going to be a team going to New York City. In the spring, or I guess early early spring, late winter, we're sending teams to the Dominican Republic and to the Philippines to go and proclaim Jesus, to go and, and meet the needs that are there, put our hands tangibly to some work, partner with organizations that are there, and speak, proclaim, speak Jesus, speak love to people worldwide. We love to do that here as a church. One of the other things that we love to do as a church is not just go around the world but step out our door. Just walk outside the door, and that's your mission field. Every, not, not everyone here will be able to go somewhere outside in the, the world, but each of you live locally. Right where you're at, you have the opportunity to be a missionary right where you're at. You have the opportunity to reach people in your neighborhood, where you work, where you shop, where you go to school, that's your mission field. Each and every one of you, that's your mission field. That's what we've been called to. In the book of Nehemiah, starting right in chapter 1, it's on page 398. <laughs> Can I help you along this morning? Yes. If, if it actually is on 398 for you, just give me an amen. Uh, <laughs> So in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, there's a report from Jerusalem. There's a report about the status of the city of Jerusalem. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year. As I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, or Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. The wall is the protection for the city. And here the report comes back. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the, the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. 
confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. After praying this prayer, Nehemiah's heart for Jerusalem was deep and wide. He loved his city. And he heard the report of what was going on in his city. And he was grieved. So much so that he cried out to the Lord. And it was a prayer that he prayed day and night, continuously, interceding on behalf of the city. Interceding on behalf that that God would act, that God would give favor, that God would stir up others who would put their hands and feet into action to rebuild the walls. He then went to the king where he was and asked that he could go back to Jerusalem to, to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the city. And he was given favor. And he went. Now, here in Concord, here in the capital region, we find ourselves in a place where there are things that need to be fixed. There are broken lives that need to be restored. There are places that are down and dirty. And I truly believe that God has called us, equipped us, and is releasing us to go and to be restorers of broken places, broken people, that lives truly would be restored. My role here as the pastor, I I see it, yes, I have a responsibility on Sunday. Many of you, when I talk, uh, when, I, when I speak just with individuals, that, so you work, like, you, you're full-time here? Like, this is what you do all week? Because the, the understanding is, you know, it's just, it's just an hour on Sunday that I, you know, put time in, which is a pretty good gig, you know? I get to ride my bike all week and garden and play with my kids. No, I, I see my role here less as one up front being able to speak, but in my speaking, being able to steward, steward the gift that God has given us, and that gift is you. Being able to steward the resources, people, the lives that are here, being able to steward that gift in such a way that I I see our responsibility as a church, and I see the role that we have to mobilize people to serve in our community, to mobilize people to step out of the walls of this building, get out of the comfort zone of cushy seats and air conditioning, and find people who are broken that we can put our arms alongside, pick up, and help find a new way to live. That new way to live is through Jesus. 
But sometimes preaching Jesus at people is not the right way to go about it. First, you find the needs. You find where, they, where they're at. And you minister to those needs specifically. You meet tangible needs. And in that, you're also able to proclaim, we're doing this. We, I, I, I'm serving you because I love you. And I love you because God loved you first. In order for us to be able to do that, we need to know what the needs are. And this morning begins our community conversations. This morning we're going to have Bill Pelletier from Rise Again Outreach, the founder of Rise Again Outreach, join me up here. We're going to sit down and have some conversations. We're going to talk back and forth. And hopefully through this, not just today, but over the next three weeks, the next two weeks, we have the opportunity to have conversations and, and we can be learners of our city. We can be learners of the region that we're in so that we truly can be made effective and, and meeting tangible needs within our community. So this morning, we have Bill Pelletier. Next Sunday, we have Mayor Jim Booley from the city of Concord. He'll be joining us. And the following week, we're going to have the director from Ascentria, which is, used to be Lutheran Social Services, will be joining us. And we can hear from all three of these men about our city, about the needs, and how we can step out the door and serve our community. So would you welcome with me Bill Pelletier? I'm going to give you a hug, and then I'll give you the microphone. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Pastor. We're going to go ahead and sit down. And uh, this is what I like to refer Forget about town talks. This is coffee talk. <laughs> Got a topic, um, wireless extension cords. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Bill, we know your name is Bill. We know you attend Grace Capital Church. Talk to us about your life for a little bit. Um, share with us a little bit about you personally. Well, as he, Kevin said, my name is Bill, and uh, I grew up mostly in Massachusetts. We and don't hold that against you, though. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually came to New Hampshire to work with my stepfather, and he was opening a pet shop in Hillsboro, and it was kind of a patch-it-up thing. We didn't get along as kids. And it didn't work out. You know, I got, got in a few arguments with him and left angry. Was homeless for a while, living in Hillsboro. And I eventually got a job in Concord, working at a bank. And that was, I think it was almost 30 years ago, 35 years ago. So I think I'm almost a resident of New Hampshire after that amount of You've time. almost been assimilated, yeah. Almost. So you went from working at a pet shop to being homeless to working in a bank. Yes. Nice. God is good. <laughs> Married? Yes, I uh, have a beautiful wife. We should have her stand up for a moment. That's uh, Maggie right over there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Maggie and I have been married 14 years, and we have two beautiful daughters. They're both grown, and I have a 15-year-old granddaughter. Nice. Yes. Very cool. And we live in Concord. In Concord. Right here in town. Yes. So... Not only do I consider this my city, um, but this is your city as well. This is my city. I love it here, and uh, I love our church and the things our church represents here, and I love serving God here. Yeah, excellent. You're the founder of Rise Again Outreach. 
Yes, Rise Again Outreach, we started back in 2007, and uh, me and a few friends, and I was one of those people that would sit in the seats just like you are, and I would love to watch missionaries come to our church and hear their stories and all the things that they were doing, stepping out in faith, and I was a brand new Christian, and I uh, wanted to do something, but I didn't know what, so I asked our pastor, hey, you know, what, what can I do? And he... You know, By the way, people, pastors love it when people ask that question, <laughs> what can I do? Because so, typically the question is, what can you do for me? And so it's great to hear, what can I do? Well, I was, I was on fire, and, and he really didn't have an, uh, an answer. You know, I wanted to do something, and not just, you know, in the church, but, but outside in the community. And, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, we give money to the pregnancy center, and, you know, we do these other things, but there really wasn't, like, uh, something where Christians go out and connect with people that wouldn't normally come to a church. So uh, I tried going into men's ministry and those types of uh, activities to try to try to get that sense that I was doing what God wanted me to do. And one day there was uh, a guest speaker came to church and he was actually the worst speaker I ever heard. <laughs> he, really, he couldn't string two sentences together without either stuttering or, or not making any sense. But he did was say, his name Moses." No, <laughs> I, I called him Punxsutawney Phil because he just reminded me of, uh, of that character. But he did say, he did say that um, the church, and this is a Nazarene church that I was in at the time, that the church would like people to minister in the community through a charity. And that way you don't have all the uh, limitations that a church might have ministering in a community. And I just felt, uh, you know, God just kind of shake me and said, that's it. That's you. And I, uh, I was familiar with how to set up a charity through my work, you know, through my profession. So I got a couple of guys, and we didn't really know what we were doing. We just kind of got the, uh, the charity part set up. And then we started something called a furniture exchange, where we took furniture from the community, and we gave it to people that were going from homelessness to housing. Mm-hmm. And we started with a little, uh, you know, just outside, just kind of collecting stuff. And then we got like a, a, a two-by-five or four-by-five or whatever it was, little storage area. And that developed into two of those. And then we had to get a 10-by-50. And then we kept on growing and growing. And we were connecting with all kinds of great organizations. We had opportunities to share God's love with people that were, uh, where their life was just a mess. And... We used to let them come in, so we had a warehouse. We set up the furniture nice, and we'd treat them just like shoppers. They would come in, and they could pick out anything they wanted. So if they wanted, if they needed a bed and we had a bed, they, they could have that, and uh, they'd kind of look at you waiting for some kind of shoe to drop and say, well, you yeah, need chairs and a table, yeah, right. Yeah. And at the end, we would give them a Bible and then ask them if we could give them a message. And by that time, they were very open, and we would share the gospel with them before they left. Mm. And uh, we got connected with a lot of organizations in town. Lutheran Social Services was one, the Concord Coalition and Homelessness, and even City Welfare was sending people to us. Casey Family Services, who was radically anti-Christian at the time, uh, was sending people to us as well. So it was a a great way to to get started. I think that God blessed us from the first day, Mm. and that developed into other things. Yeah, so it, it's Rise Again Outreach started with a furniture, a furniture exchange. How you have a heart, you have a desire to go out and serve the community. How do you find out what the needs are? 
How, how did you figure out furniture as a starting point? Well, Concord, you know, we like to think of Concord as a nice community, but Concord is a city. And uh, I grew up in Waltham, Mass., which is a city. It has a lot of issues, a lot of problems. And even though we're a small city, we have those same problems. We just, they're just not as obvious. Mm-hmm. So you've walked down Main Street, and you can look around, and you'll see people on benches or just kind of smell a little different or wearing a different set of clothes. If you, I didn't even see those people before I started getting out in the community. They were almost invisible to me. And it wasn't until I wanted to start serving God that I began to see who was really out there. He opened your eyes. Right. It, all you need is a trip downtown, and you can see a lot of the problems that we have in our city. Mm. Nice. So you started with the furniture exchange. You've, you've morphed over the years. Yes. <laughs> talk, talk about the, uh, the, other, the other opportunities with Rise Again. Well, in Rise Again, as we were doing the furniture exchange, we got someone came by us and did a story on what we were doing, and the, uh, a friend of mine, Bob Again, who, uh, who goes to this church as well, and saw my name in the paper, and we had known each other from, uh, from, from, uh, from work. Mm-hmm. And he came by, and he brought this great idea for wanting to having uh, taking buses and converting those buses into delivery vehicles for food and clothing and driving them into poor neighborhoods in the area. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he had a $5,000 budget, and we prayed over and that $5,000. <laughs> and I chast- tasked this guy named Joe. We- we like to uh, give him all the, like, dirty tasks, you know, kind of like uh, going out and finding us a bus for $5,000 or less. <laughs> so he Mission did. impossible, man. Mission impossible. <laughs> so he was like our Luca Brazzi would send him out there and just see what happened. <laughs> so he found a bus in Portland, Maine for $3,000. It needed about $1,200 worth of repairs. And as we were looking at the buses and telling the bus people, uh, the people that were selling it to us, what we... What we were doing, they were just taking parts off of other buses to give us the best possible bus that we could have. Yeah. So we drove it back, and uh, Bob, Bob and his family uh, went in and just redesigned the entire interior of that bus. Mm. And we sought donations of clothes, and we went out, and uh, the response was overwhelming. And it eventually grew to now we have three buses and a box truck, two warehouses, and five or six teams of warehouse workers. Mm-hmm. We have about 12 to 14 stops between Laconia, Franklin, Concord, Pittsfield, and Manchester, mm-hmm. where we deliver clothes and other items to about 800 people a month. Wow. 800 people per month. Per month, yeah. Per month. Right. Talk about the bus stops, the, the different locations that you go. Uh, what does that look like? What, what's, what, is, what is a Saturday morning on the bus? What's that routine like? Well, it starts with our warehouse workers. And uh, I love our warehouse workers because these are people that come in and, uh, you know, they, they kind of do their job. They take all the clothing that we get. We get hundreds of pounds of clothing a month, and they process it and do quality control. And then they set it up on the hangers and get it ready to go out on the bus, and, but nobody really knows what they do. The unsung heroes. They are the unsung heroes yeah. of our organization, and they just come in and quietly, they never seek recognition or do anything. They just kind of quietly come in. And I'm blessed because my office is right next to the warehouse where they work, yeah. and I can hear them down there laughing and praying, and uh, people actually get saved in our warehouse. Hmm. And it's a great place, to, great place to serve. Nobody gets paid, by the way. It's an all-volunteer organization. 
And then the bus teams There's come. There's the pitch right there. That's it. <laughs> I'll double your pay every week. Come out. So we, we get the buses loaded up, and then we'll go out to one of the stops. And each stop is a monthly stop. And we try to have the same teams go the same stop each month so that they can make relationships with the people that go there. And every stop is like a different universe. So some stops are dominated by refugees. Mm-hmm. Some are homeless stops. Some are just uh, poor neighborhoods, Royal Gardens, those areas. And some are a mix of uh, just all of those things. Mm-hmm. And when the teams go out, our role and our mission is just to share God's love with people who are in crisis and poverty by helping with their temporal and spiritual needs. So, Say that again, slower. <laughs> our mission is to share God's love with people who are in crisis or poverty by helping with their temporal and spiritual needs. And when you go out there, that can mean many things. It could mean a full-blown gospel presentation, and that does happen out there. But most of the time, it's just, um, just loving people. And it's, you can go out and tell people that Jesus loves them, but they don't really know that until you go out and just start being kind to people. So people come to our bus stop. They can have whatever is available. And our job is just to be kind to them, to be interested in who they are, And uh, we get opportunities as we get to know them to pray with them about their families and what's going on in their lives. Invite them to church to uh, just go out there and, if nothing else, change the image of God that they might have Mm. from something, you know, some unknown being up there that's probably a little angry to people that just come and just ask nothing in return Mm. as they're being kind to you. So There's... um I think a, a misconception that a lot of people have regarding those that are homeless, that they're, you know, forgive me, the bums, the drunks, you know, they brought this on themselves through the choices that they made. Can you talk about what you encounter and maybe clear that misconception up? Yeah, and uh, I'll start up by saying, in all honesty, a lot of those folks did bring it on themselves, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they deserve to be rejected and scorned by everyone else. We all have brought problems in our own lives, and you know we, we have a great God that ministers to us, and it's our job to go out and be kind to people that are, that are down and out. Yeah. But there's different types of homeless people. I mean, some of them are, are kids. You know, I call them kids, you know, between the 18 and 24. Maybe they had a fight with their parents, and they've been kicked out. Or maybe they ran away. And they're out there, and they're thinking that uh, this is great. And, uh, but a lot of them are very heavily into drugs, Mm -hmm. and the longer they're out there, the more likely they are that they'll follow that path. And uh, as you know, I've been reading in the news, there's a lot of heroin that's coming into southern New Hampshire, and that's our fear is that that's where they're going. And it's very difficult to reach them because they don't know they have a problem at that time. Mm -hmm. There are other homeless that uh, are people that are just uh, mentally diminished, and some of these folks, you could set them up with an apartment and a car and a job, And six months later, they'll be right back out where they are because they have no one to take care of them. And uh, part of our role through all that is to care for them right where they are. How do you do that? Well, we go out and we bring uh, specialty items for them, toiletries, water. We've been seeing them for a long time, so we know a lot of them by name. Try to get to know new people and get them connected with some of the services that are in the area and just love them where they are. And then there is uh, what I call the kind of chronic homeless, and those are people that have been homeless for so long, they actually prefer that lifestyle mm. where they, they stay out 
and that's, that's kind of what they do. Most of those people, I find that they're very kind, and they, out, they uh, protect a lot of the guys that are kind of out there short-term, mm. and uh, they're really, really decent people. These are not bums. These are people that have, like I said, just chronically uh, homeless, so they've chosen that as a lifestyle. And then you have a transient homeless. That's the family where maybe somebody lost a job, and they're living in their cars, and uh, they're trying to, trying to get back into the mainstream yeah. culture. But there are a lot of good organizations, and you mentioned a few. Lutheran Social Services is great. Concord Coalition and Homelessness. There's a lot of people doing a lot of great things. And we see our role not as kind of building houses or, or providing jobs or anything like that because someone's got to care for them while they're outside. Mm-hmm. And while those other organizations are doing great things, we want to be out loving them until they're able to get a home. Excellent. Talk about the city, the city of Concord, um, the area that, well, and even ex- extending out. What are the needs? What are the struggles? Um, what are the opportunities? Well, Concord to me is, is a great town. It's a great place to live. And as I said before, we are a city we have problems. And the way I look at Concord is, in, in ministry is where are the people that are less likely to step into a church? And that's where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that we want to reach. And for us, that would be the homeless, the refugees that are in town. I'm sure you've seen all the shiny clothing and the big tall hats. And uh, it's really a rich culture. We do really have a diverse culture that's developing in the capital area, not just in Concord, but also in central New Hampshire. And the food choices are incredible. There are, there are food choices that, I don't know, I haven't connected with that very well, but their food is okay. But uh, we have people that are exiting the prison. We have a state prison right here in town. And that's a, uh, you know, that's a real big problem, as, especially with the, uh, the economy not being so well when they get out trying to find work. Yeah, so someone is serving time uh, at, at the state prison. They're released. What are they released with, and what's the outlook for them? Uh, They're released with nothing. In fact, our warehouse provides clothing for guys that are getting released so that they can have something to wear. Uh, they, they don't have any money. They're literally just let out the door, yeah. and off you go. And for some guys that have families that are waiting to receive them, that's okay. You know, They'll have people that kind of take care of them and get them ready, but... For a lot of those guys that have been in the prison for 5, 10, 20 years, they have no one. Mm-hmm. All their relationships are done. Or maybe they've been separated from their family because of their crime. Mm-hmm. You know, where do they go? Yeah. And what do they do to survive? Yeah. You, um, I, I've heard the story about, it's not just jeans and a t-shirt that people can get through Rise Again Outreach. Uh, there are, you've provided clothing, like work clothing, suits, so that uh, guys that are getting out can get interviews with jobs and you know, have, a, have a good work appearance. Um, the, the guys that are getting out, I'm answering his question, sorry. Um, the guys that are getting out, um, Rise Again has had a prison aftercare ministry. You, you're, the thing I like about Rise Again is that you don't hold tightly to a lot of things. Uh, you could begin things, but then you release things to other organizations who could take it and run with it further. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, we like partners, and yeah. there are a lot of good partners in town, and we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to either 
do something or meet a need that's not being met or we'll help someone that's already meeting a particular need. Mm-hmm. But our prison ministry is really part of our, we have, a, we have a ministry that we're really pouring into called Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christ-centered, multi-issue, 12-step recovery program. Yep. And it addresses everything from chemical addiction to anger management, past abuses, anything that's keeping you from living the full life that Christ, uh, Christ intends for us. And we do it inside the prison, mm-hmm. hoping that these guys will start a program inside the walls. And as they're released, we also have a Celebrate Recovery outside the walls, where they can continue doing the same program that they started on the inside. And then as they come to us, we can uh, help them get planted in churches where they can make new relationships mm-hmm. and build uh, some kind of support system and help build their new life. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Um, so there's that, uh, different opportunities within Rise Again. The, you, well, I, I was going to save the fun story for last, but I, I want to jump into it. You guys have, a few years ago, uh, started partnering with the New Hampshire Speedway and New Hampshire Motor Speedway and partnering with them and doing, started kind of slowly, uh, but now it's just really taken off. Can you talk about how that began and the progression and then have some fun and share some great stories from yeah, this is, uh, this is a this is probably the funnest ministry we have. Uh, this is a real mission trip. And, you know, uh, Kaylin was up here talking about um, Toronto and we're going to Alaska. But we have a huge, tremendous mission field right in Loudoun, New Hampshire. It's, mm. called, the, it's called the NASCAR and we have anywhere from, uh, I don't know, 60 to 120,000 people that come for each race. Yep. And when we first started Rise Again in 2007, that was one of the first places we wanted to go. And they just shut the door in our face and said, no, no thank you, thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> but then uh, God started opening little doors. You know, we had uh, one of our churches that uh, volunteered to do the handicap carts out there. They were paying a service to do it, but they were doing an awful job. We got some volunteers to go up there, and they were just godly people doing random acts of kindness up there. Uh, we had a, uh, a uh, Pinewood Derby that was going on, and it was being operated by the Southern Baptists, and the Southern Baptists, for whatever reason, decided they didn't want to support it anymore, so we jumped in. So now we have those two ministries up there. And the track, um, the track chaplain is also is, is a pastor of a church, uh, John White, who's, who's the pastor at the Nazarene Church, yep. who's one of our board members, founding members for Rise Again. So over time, we started building this relationship with the track to the point now where the track invites us to come in and do things because they like not just what we do, but how we do it. <laughs> we have about 60 volunteers up there at our last race, and we have a Pinewood Derby. We have this where we have anywhere from you know 65 to 90 kids engaging in a Pinewood Derby, and we use that event while the kids are painting their cars to talk to the parents, and we're able to share the gospel, I would, I would say an average of six, with 60 to 70 people, a full gospel. Mm. And we, last race we had 17 people receive Christ as our Savior Amen. at our Derby. Yep. Can yes. we clap for That's that? good. <laughs> our, That's in addition cool. to that, we have hundreds and hundreds of spiritual touches from people going out with the carts, picking people up, getting to know them in that short time they have in, the, in their carts. We actually have people praying for healing in the carts. So mm-hmm. I was in a cart uh, this past, uh, last week when we were at the track, and somebody had 
an ulcer in their leg. So the last thing I did with him when I dropped him off was pray over, pray for healing on his leg. Mm. And I don't necessarily know what happens because life goes on. We go to the next person. Yep. But uh, we have all kinds of activity like that. We also have a group called Ambassadors. And all they do is they go out and just be kind to people. So if somebody's lost or sick or needs security, they'll be standing around key places inside and outside the track with a uh, radio to work with people. So that's the service that we provide the track. And there was one particular story that just uh, touched my heart because this is what we want Rise Again to be about, whether it's at the track or it's at our stops or it's in the prison or it's Celebrate Recovery. And this is what happened. We went out Thursday to set up our tents, and we, we realized that one of our regulars was not going to, one of our regular females was not going to be there on Friday to work in the tent to help the kids. You know, it was going to be all men. We were a little concerned about that. So we concluded that, okay, we can A bunch of guys working with kids. A bunch of guys working with kids. <laughs> and we decided that, you know, we're, we're just going to leave it to God. God will provide. Let's just get ready and we'll set up the tents. Well, while we were setting up the tents, this woman just walked into our camping area. And the, and the track is very generous. They give us this huge corner to operate out of. And her name was Debbie. And... Debbie said that she just wanted to come and she was looking for a safe place to be for the weekend. She's a recovering alcoholic. So a friend of mine, Leroy, who, uh, who does the, the Pinewood Derby, knew that I do celebrate recovery. So he brought her over to us and I started telling her, well, you know, here's Celebrate Recovery. We have this great program and, uh, you know, I don't know if you're going to AA and AA is great, but this is Christ-centered. So you could really address the spiritual part of recovery if you want to come here. And as we were talking to her, we realized that she believed in some concept of God, but she didn't know Christ as her Savior. Mm -hmm. So we have a little track that we use at the race. So Leroy took her, went through the track, and she received Christ as her Savior. Right there. And she was so grateful. And she was so grateful that she stayed, and she worked her behind off. We couldn't give her enough things to do. She was just on fire. And loved what we were doing. She worked with the kids. She cleaned up. And then, and then, she, but the next day, more. but wait, there's more. <laughs> Just like the woman at the well, uh, she went back to her camper and she brought her husband on Saturday. And her husband was curious because she was just talking, talking. He didn't really understand what she was saying. So we <laughs> sat down and, and explained to him and shared the gospel with him. And he received Christ as his Savior. Yeah, and they uh, they stayed all day Saturday, uh, serving with us, serving with the kids, uh, helping my wife cook. Praise God! And because I was busy doing other things, right? I was other things. Cooking is not my thing, so that allowed me to do other things. So anyway, uh, uh, she was very passionate. She wanted to know more and more about you know about the scriptures and. You know, what God says about this and what God says about that. And uh, Sunday came, the big race, and which is the whole reason why her and her husband came. She decided to give her a ticket away because she wanted to serve with us mm. the whole day. Mm. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, uh, as Christians, I heard, I think it was Andy Stanley say, the closest on earth that we're going to be to the Lord is in the presence of believers. Mm. And the fact that God sent her to us for safety just does something in my heart yeah. and that she felt comfortable there mm. and that 
she was curious about who we were and why we were doing what we were doing. You know, that's the environment that we want to create out in the world so that they can see the love of our God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I've shared kind of the, uh, the, I've made the statement in the past, when you receive Jesus as your Savior and truly start acting more and more like Jesus, you become more attractive. And I, I make that statement not in the way of, you know, extreme makeover. Um, it, you're not physically going to be more attractive, but somehow when just this love is just pouring out of you for others, people want to be around you. They're, they're drawn to you. Can you talk about how that takes place? I mean, you, you shared a wonderful story about Debbie. I mean, to the point where she gave up her ticket to, to watch the race to be around other believers. Can you talk about how that plays out on uh, the bus stops and how, how are people finding, um, or I guess why do people keep coming back? Well, one of my favorite stories in the scripture is about Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, a man after my own heart. He and was a wee little man, right? He was a wee little guy, <laughs> a short, dumpy tax guy. And, uh, you know, he made his money basically by shaking people down. And that's how he became wealthy. And he heard that Jesus was coming to town. And I don't know what he heard that made him want to go out and see Jesus, but he was willing to climb a tree to do it. And Jesus went to his house for dinner, just picked him out and said, we're coming to your house. And after spending time with him, of course, he came out. He said he's going to give back the money that he stole from people. He's going to give it back double. And this guy, he was not, he was not a, an unintelligent guy. And he knew where he was going. He knew the law. He knew that he was probably uh, ejected from the temple. And he knew that he was going to hell. But that's not what turned him around. It was the love of a Savior Mm -hmm. that turned him around. And that's what goes on in our ministry, Mm -hmm. is we don't judge anyone. When they come, that person who's in need, God loves that person as much as he loves us. Mm -hmm. And we need to remember that that's where we came from. Amen. That's where we're coming out of. And to whether they're, you know, they're, what language you're speaking or how they look or what they've done in the past, uh, that doesn't matter in the moment that we're connected with them. Mm-hmm. And we just try to be kind if that just means listening to them or remembering their name or giving them a coat. Whatever that means, that's, that's our goal. Mm. Yeah. Treating people like people. Something like that. Yeah. Like God would treat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loving them and caring for their needs, but loving them, not just grab your stuff and go. Yeah, there's a verse in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, where it talks about being a new creation. Um, But before that verse where it says, you know, after you receive Christ, you're a new creation, Mm -hmm. uh, it says that we no longer see the world the same way. Right, that we no longer see Jesus the way we used to see him, mm. that we see the world differently. Yep. And when we go out as Christians, we see people differently, not as people that have blown it and get what they deserve, but now we see people that God created, that Christ died for. Yeah. And, that's, uh, and that's enough for us mm. to be out there. Amen. Very cool. Well, I'll say this. Um, Unashamedly, unashamedly, unabashedly, whatever. Um, I'm just going to speak this forth. Bill Pelletier, Rising and Outreach, they attend Grace Capital Church. 
Uh, and for years, I don't think we've done enough with Rise Again Outreach. We as a church, as Grace Capital Church, we need to partner more with the effective ministry work that they are putting their hands to. We need to join with them. And so, Bill, I, I, want, I want to give you a couple minutes. <laughs> Just talk, talk to this room full of people right now. And I guess what, what would you say to them in how they could get involved with Rise Again, how we can help partner with uh, the ministry of Rise Again. Um, this is a group of people who love this city. How can, they, how can they put their hands to something? Well, we need everything. Uh, you, you know, uh, money, you know, that's, that's the obvious thing. But more than that, we need you. We need people that want to be missionaries. And I love what Kaylin said about missionary work. Mission, mission, mission isn't just something we go somewhere else to do. It's right outside our door. It's a lifestyle. It's what God calls us to do right here. And I would like to ask you, whatever gifts and talents that you have, if you want to serve the Lord in the community, reaching people who may never otherwise step into a church, that's our biggest resource. And what we can do, the ministries we engage in, and the abilities we have depends on who comes forward and says, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. If you want to be out, out, out front, if you're an evangelist and, uh, you know, just connecting with people that you don't know and sharing the gospel with them excites you, we have a place for that. If you're a quiet servant that wants to help out somewhere in the back room and just kind of show up and, and, and be a blessing, we have a place for that. If you um, have administrative skills, uh, we are in desperate need of that as well. If you know how to fundraise, we really need you. Yeah. One of the things that we're not good at is promoting ourselves. I mean, you know, we try to do Facebook and uh, an email every now and then, but, you know, most of us are, are oriented towards, you know, going out until they're doing, right? Yeah. But we need someone that can come in and help us kind of share with, with other churches what we're doing because part of our mission is to unite the church as well. Uh, our, the unifying part of our of our connection with other churches is the gospel message. So if we can agree on the same gospel, we can work with all different churches. And we have about 14 churches that work with us in one way or another, either by providing money or volunteers and other types of support. But most of all, as I say, we need people to come in and give their time. How do they, how do they do that? (laughs) Well, you can start by going to our website, at www.risingandoutreach.org and there's information you can find there. There's a couple of links there. There's a contact page. If, uh, if you want, you can email me at wjp at risingandoutreach.org and I'll forward your email to the right person. Okay. So risingandoutreach.org or wjp at risingandoutreach.org .org or you can grab them in the lobby um, before you leave today. Uh, or Bob McGann is here. Uh, go ahead and stand up for a minute, Bob. Bob has so. Bill is the Bill is the founder of Rise Again and ex president. Yes. And Bob is the the new president. Bob is our current president. Yes. And uh, Bob is also uh, the founder of several of our ministries as well. Nice. Yeah. So talk to either one of them. 
go to the website, find the contact page, send an email. We would love, we would love to get many more people involved with Rise Again Outreach from Grace Capital Church. Fourteen churches involved right now. Uh, the, the one thing that we have in common with each of those other 13 churches is that we love Jesus and we love people. Yes. And we want to see our city, we want to see the people within our city, we want to see them prosper and thrive. Healthy, happy lives because they've experienced the love of Jesus. That's what we're about as a church. And that's what Rise Again Outreach is about as well. Yes. So I'd like you to stand. Uh, I know the worship team's somehow going to get in behind us and start uh, playing music, but we want to pray for Bill. We want to pray for Rise Again Outreach. And I want to just encourage you, yeah, right where you're at standing, just extend your arms forward uh, and pray with me for Bill and for Rise Again Outreach. Father, we, God, we thank you. We thank you for a man who you have placed within um, the heart and a dream to see so many new people, so many, so many people, God, that enter your kingdom, become believers. But you've given him a, a, a way to accomplish that by meeting physical, tangible needs that people have. God, thank you for him. Thank you for Bill. Thank you for many others who have come alongside him. God, we thank you for the ministry work of Rise Again Outreach, the heart that it has, the organization itself, the heart that it has, God, to be able to care for the least of these, to be able to provide needs that they have, not just to enable a cycle of the same thing going on over and over again in people's lives, but to find freedom in their lives, to find hope, to find a a, a true future for their lives. God, we pray that you would continue the work of Rise Again Outreach. We pray that you would, you would expand the work of Rise Again Outreach by, by God, by incorporating and, and pulling more of your people in. God, as, as, as more people link arms, walk shoulder to shoulder and serve behind the scenes, out in front, administratively, God, we, we pray for fruit, incredible fruit, incredible, effective, fruitful ministry, God through Rise Again Outreach, God, that many new people, whatever their walk of life, whatever their nationality, whatever culture, wherever they find themselves, God, that many new people would enter your kingdom, would know you as Savior, and would find that true life-giving relationship, not just in you, but in your believers, but in, God, in, in, your, in your family. We pray for this, God. We pray just an incredible blessing over Bill and Maggie, over Rise Again Outreach, God, and each person, each volunteer that puts their hands to different aspects of this ministry. Abundant fruit, God. We've already heard stories, but we ask for more. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.